Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Good morning and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast again. This is Elder David Wise here with you this morning, and we're very thankful to have you tune in with us on the program. We invite you to go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com, to get more information. If you're not in the North Mississippi area, you can find a church, a primitive Baptist church that may be closer to you. If you are close to us here in North Mississippi, please come see us at Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church on Wolf Road outside Caledonia, Mississippi, and at Macedonia Church. We're at 11 Staten Road in Ackerman, Mississippi. Both of our churches meet for worship every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Then we also have a midweek Wednesday night service in Starkville, Mississippi at the La Quinta Inn in Starkville on Highway 12 beginning at 6 p.m. each Wednesday night. We'd love to hear from you if you enjoy our program. Uh, you can email us, find our contact information on our website. And if you happen to listen on our podcast, particular iTunes podcast, be sure and write a review. And if you enjoy it, be sure and leave a five star if you feel that's accurate. Any reviews and comments gives a higher rating on iTunes and more people might be able to see it. So you can uh, leave us a good rating if you enjoy our program and you feel so inclined to, to leave that review. This morning, we'd like to consider laboring fervently in prayer and the tenacity and the intensity with which we are supposed to approach the Lord in prayer. So we hope this message will be beneficial for you and we hope to bring that message for you here right after this song.
Good morning and welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. Today we'd like to invite you to turn with us to Colossians chapter 4 and we'd like to read verse 12 with you. Epaphras, who is one of us, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Here we see Epaphras, who is a minister, most likely the pastor of the Colossians church. He's introduced earlier in the letter to the Colossians as our dear fellow servant who's a faithful minister of you. He's described in Philemon as being a fellow prisoner in Jesus Christ. And we see here the intensity and the commitment that Epaphras displayed in prayer as he labored fervently for you. He didn't pray just for himself. He prayed fervently for the church. This teaches us quite a few lessons on how we need to pray for others. First of all, first of all, our prayer life cannot be casual. There is an intensity and a tenacity, a laboring fervently that we should have in prayer, not just casually asking for prayers as we're eating our food or as we're going to bed, but an intensity laboring, fighting that good fight of faith in prayer, literally being a prayer warrior. And notice that he's praying for the church. He's not praying for himself. Unfortunately, my prayers tend to be very self-focused. I list off a long list of everything that I need, and that's not entirely wrong. It does say in the model prayer to pray to give us this day our daily bread. We we ought to ask the Lord for what we stand in need of, but our prayers should be others-focused and more selfless as opposed to being very self-centered and simply being selfish in our prayers. Now, we need to be praying for the church. We need to be praying for others. And there's many people, especially the elderly in our congregations that either aren't able to get out like they used to, or maybe are bedridden or in nursing homes, and they feel like there's just not much left for them to do in the kingdom. There's just not much left for me to do. I don't know why the Lord is leaving me here. Well, I'll tell you, I think some of the most diligent prayer warriors that have made a tremendous impact in the kingdom are some of those people that are not able to come to church anymore. Some of those dear old widows, those dear old sisters that are in the nursing home, and literally all they can do is pray. And I'll tell you, we need those people praying in the church, laboring fervently for us, because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, and certainly a righteous woman, availeth much. It makes a big difference, okay? So we need to look at this example of Epaphras, and we need to labor fervently in prayer. We need to labor fervently in prayer, not for ourselves, before the church, for the kingdom. So Epaphras' commitment in prayer was not private. He was well known, at least by the Apostle Paul, to have this diligence and this fervency in prayer. This phrase, laboring fervently, here means to struggle, to contend or fight with an adversary or to compete with a prize, such as a wrestling match in the Olympic Games. So that tells you the intensity of this, okay? We are struggling in prayer. We are contending or fighting with an adversary. What's one of the main ways that we fight against Satan as our adversary? We fight and we contend against him in prayer. We've talked recently about the armor of God. And what's that seventh component of that armor of God? It's prayer. It's praying always. And that is one of our strong defenses against the wiles of Satan. But notice, it's hard work. Okay, prayer is not casual. It's hard work to struggle or to contend with an adversary. The Greek word, I can't pronounce it very well, but it's very kin to the English word agony. Okay, and in the Greek, it's a close cousin to a word 
that is used to describe Jesus being in agony in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. We see Jesus setting this example for an intensity in prayer. And we need to follow Jesus' example in every area of our life, and we certainly need to follow his example in laboring fervently in prayer for others, for the church. Hebrews chapter 5 and in verse 7, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, was strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. So there may have been multiple times in Jesus's life that this was manifested, but we certainly see this manifested in the Garden of Gethsemane as it's described in Luke chapter 22 and 44 that Jesus was in agony, that same depth of pain in prayer but he being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat is, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. He prayed with strong crying and tears. It says in Matthew 26 and verse 38, still describing the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Do you see how, how deep this is? You know, my soul is exceeding sorrowful. It's not cavalier. It's not superficial. The pain and the agony that he's experiencing in prayer is going down to Jesus's soul. And who's he praying for, by the way? He's not praying for himself. He's praying for you. He's praying, Lord, take this cup away from me. Why? Because he's going to drink the cup of God's wrath for you. Okay, so he's praying for others, but notice he's in agony. His soul is exceeding sorrowful. He is offering up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears. And we see, again, that depth of pain and intensity that Jesus displays in prayers. Also, we notice in Luke chapter 6 that Jesus continued all night in prayer. Let's just think for a minute. How many times have we continued all night in prayer over something? I know the answer to that question. For me, it's it's zero. Okay, and there's times I've prayed for more extended periods when there was a very a severe need. But it's just very unfortunate to read this type of commitment that Jesus Christ had in prayer and to see how far short I fall of this. Not just his intensity, but his commitment before a major decision. And Jesus Christ, obviously being God, he knew what he was going to do. You know, we pray for God's will because we don't know. Jesus knew God's will, but he still prayed all night before choosing his 12 apostles. You know, he says that Jesus prayed with strong crying and tears. When's the last time you wept in prayer? Okay. When's the last time you spent all night in prayer? You see, our prayers can be much more shallow and superficial than Jesus Christ. We need to have a greater depth in our prayers to labor fervently in prayer. We also see that Greek word to labor fervently describes competing in a match, such as a wrestling match. And that makes us think about Jacob in Genesis chapter 32, when Jacob was wrestling all night with an angel in prayer. He was going to see Esau the next day and he just felt like Esau was going to kill him. So he was wrestling with this angel and he wanted a blessing. He would not let him go until he received a blessing. And now after this, he says that he had seen God face to face. And there's a reference in Hosea chapter 12 and in verse four that he made supplication to this angel. I don't believe an angel would accept prayers and supplication. Angels always direct glory and supplication to God and to Jesus Christ. So I believe he was wrestling with Jesus Christ because he had seen God face to face. And they wrestled all night, which by the way, you know, we see Jesus praying all night in prayer. Here we see Jacob wrestling all night 
with this angel. But notice he is wrestling for a selfish purpose. He's wrestling all night for you to bless me. Well, we're not wrestling in prayer for ourselves, right? Epaphras labored in prayer for others, for you. But here we see, again, this intensity of Jacob wrestling with this angel. And that's how it is in prayer. Maybe your prayers just come a whole lot easier than mine. But it's so difficult to stay focused. It's so difficult to go into that closet and turn your phone off and turn off your mind and not get distracted in prayer. It's a wrestling with the spirit and the flesh of trying to stay focused to pray unto the Lord in the manner that we ought to. It's a struggle. It's it's a wrestling match. And it feels like a lot of times I'm losing in that wrestling match. And maybe you feel the same way. So there was a good chance Epaphras was the pastor of the church at Colossae. And I, th- I believe this shows certainly a depth of love and commitment that the pastor has for the church. It's certainly a responsibility for all that are in the ministry, all that have been ordained and called by God to preach the gospel and to serve in that capacity, to be diligent in prayer. But there is an special responsibility for pastors to pray for their church. When the church in Acts chapter 6 was ordaining deacons, they said that we're going to give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. You seven deacons, you handle the daily administration. You handle caring for these widows. The apostles said, we're going to give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. You know, sometimes those that are full-time pastors, which is the biblical model. I'm very thankful for those among the Primitive Baptist Church and even in other denominations that their church has the financial means to support them in a full-time capacity. I praise God for that. That's the biblical model. And it's a tremendous blessing when we're able to do that. But people can look at a minister and say, well, what do you do all day? What's the full-time job of the ministry? To give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. Now, if you have a very carnal, natural mindset of that, you would say, well, what's he do all day? Well, he prays and he reads his Bible. (laughs) Now, the minister's obviously going to be visiting other people. He's going to be encouraging other people. And there should be other areas of ministry. But what does he do all day? Well, he prays and he reads his Bible. Wow, man, what a cush job, right? (laughs) What an easy job for him to just pray all day and, and read his Bible. But I'll tell you, he is laboring fervently for you. He's fighting for you. And we need to have that perspective of the ministry and our pastors. I know he has personal prayers. He has personal supplications. But you need to be praying for your pastor because he's not praying solely for him and his family. No, he's praying for you if he's doing what he ought to be doing. Why is he studying the Word? Now, there's personal blessings in studying the Word. Praise God for that. But why is he giving himself continually to the ministry of the Word? So he is equipped in the Word of God to edify the body of Christ. When you call him, he doesn't have to say, well, you know what? I think there was some verse over in some book that has to do with the situation you're going through. No, the pastor is invested in the Word of God, giving himself continually to the ministry of the Word. When you send him a text message or a phone call, he doesn't have to go look it up. No, he's so invested in the Word of God that he knows the Scripture to give you the exact scripture to encourage you or to edify you or instruct you exactly with what you need during that time. So when ministers give themselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word, it's not for themselves. There's a blessing for my personal prayers. There's a blessing for my personal Bible study. But God did not set aside pastors just to pray and to study the Bible for their own personal enjoyment. It's for you, church. 
okay? God called pastors, he set aside ministers so they could pray for you and study the word for you. So it's very disappointing when you hear people have such a carnal view of pastors. Wow, man, what a cush job. (laughs) I'll tell you, there isn't anything cush about being a pastor. I'll tell you, it's hard work. It is laboring fervently. It is laboring like an ox. I'll tell you, you think that ox that's treading the corn, you think he's got an easy job? I'll tell you, that ox works hard. And it's even more hard when you have to give 40 hours a week in another place and not able to give yourself continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word in the manner that I know I certainly desire to. So I want you to make sure you have that perspective of the ministry, that perspective of a pastor, that they're laboring continually in prayer, but who are they laboring in prayer for? For you, for the church, for the kingdom, right? And I want to just highlight the Apostle Paul for a minute. I mean, it is just astounding to look at the way that he describes his prayer life. You want to talk about someone giving themselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. It is just amazing to think about the fact of how the Apostle Paul must have prayed. And it's absolutely embarrassing for me to see the standard that he set and to see how cavalier my prayer life is. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter one and verse nine, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. So the first thing he says here is not only do I make mention of you always in my prayers without ceasing, but he says, I'm gonna call God down as my witness, okay? He says, I'm gonna put my hand on the Bible, okay? But then I'm gonna attest that God can verify what I'm telling you. God is my witness that this is true. And what what was he calling God to witness about? The intensity, the frequency, the fervency of his prayers for the Roman church. He says, I pray always for you and without ceasing. When the apostle Paul told the church at Thessalonica in chapter five and in verse 17 to pray without ceasing, I'll tell you, he wasn't just having a theoretical lesson. I'll tell you, he backed it up. He talked the talk, but he walked the walk in praying without ceasing. But how many of you this morning would say, I want to call God down as my witness to attest to you my prayer life? I'll tell you, I'm not taking Paul up on that. I'm ashamed of how little I pray. I'm certainly not going to call to God down as my witness. But Paul was so devoted. Paul was so devoted in prayer that he says, God can attest to the truth of this statement that you, church at Rome, I pray for you always and without ceasing. And think about this church at Rome. This wasn't a church that he personally planted. This is a church he hadn't even met yet, okay? This is not the church at Ephesus. This is not the church at Corinth that he had established, that he'd labored with them for years and spent a long period of time, and he knew these people personally. This is the church at Rome that he hadn't even met in person. I mean, do we have that kind of prayers for churches we've never even met? People we've never even met, churches we've never even visited. The Apostle Paul is not just saying, I'm praying always and without ceasing for the church I pastor. He's praying always and without ceasing for a church body that he never met in person. I'll tell you, that is a commitment in prayer that is very rare. And he's and he's willing to call God down as his witness. And I'll tell you, it's not just the church at Rome, okay? He says, the church at Rome, I prayed always and without ceasing and night and day for you. He tells the Roman church that. He tells the Colossian church that, the Thessalonican church, the Ephesian church, the Philippian church, and then he prays for his dear friends in the ministry too, Philemon and Timothy, okay? 
I want you to think about that. The Apostle Paul says, I pray for one, two, three, four, five churches. And those are just the ones he wrote letters to, okay? He tells the Romans, the Colossians, the Thessalonians, the Ephesians, and the Philippians. And he has enough confidence to say, I am praying for you without ceasing. I'm praying always for you. And he's praying for his dear friends in the ministry, Philemon and Timothy. But understand, these are just the churches that he wrote New Testament epistles to. These are just friends in the ministry that he wrote New Testament epistles to. For him to be praying always and without ceasing for all of these churches and for all his friends in the ministry, think about how much Paul must have been praying. I mean, think about that. He must have been spending hours hours upon hours in prayer every day. And honestly, that was probably one of the great blessings of being in prison, right? All he could do all day, every day was labor fervently in prayer for the church. But I just want to show you the magnitude and the intensity of the Apostle Paul's prayers. He says, God is my witness that I'm praying for all these churches daily, without ceasing, and always, and also for my friends in the ministry, for them individually. You know, I feel so weak in the ministry. I feel so weak in the kingdom so many times. And as I've studied this, I realize the reason why I'm weak in the kingdom is because I'm weak in prayers. Paul was a giant in the kingdom because he was a giant on his knees. And I'm weak in the kingdom because I'm weak on my knees. And I certainly hope God will give me a greater zeal and fervency to labor fervently in prayer. I just can't look at the testimony of the prayer life of the Apostle Paul truly giving himself continually to prayer, truly praying without ceasing. I can't look at the testimony of the Apostle Paul and just be ashamed. And I pray God will give me a greater fervency and zeal in following the Apostle Paul's example. And then also the Apostle Paul had a great fervency in praying for the growth and the advancement of God's kingdom. Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Not saved eternally, but saved to the truth of the gospel. He had Jewish brethren that were not converted to the gospel, and he burdened his heart so heavily that he was praying to God continually that those that he loved that weren't in the church, that didn't believe the gospel, that their hearts would be tendered, that they would hear and believe the gospel and receive the deliverance and the peace that is in the gospel message of salvation by grace alone. He says in the prior chapter that if it was up to me, it's not, but if it was up to me, I would choose to give up my gospel blessings. I would choose to be a curse from God that my kindred in the flesh might know and believe the gospel. Is that the kind of intensity that you have in praying for other people to be converted to the gospel? Is that the kind of intensity that you are praying for them? My heart's desire and prayer to God for children of God that are burdened with a work salvation, that they might be saved to get that yoke of bondage off of their neck and be saved to the truth of salvation by grace alone. Are we praying for that? We need to be praying for the kingdom of God. We need to be praying for the kingdom to be advanced. We see that in the model prayer, thy kingdom come. And a very important aspect of that kingdom is, Lord, the people that I know in my life, the people that I'm close to, as Paul said, my, my kindred, my family, my friends, I'm praying for them diligently. I'm praying for them fervently. Lord, please providentially bless me to preach the gospel to them so they can receive deliverance and peace. Paul didn't just pray for the, those in the church. He prayed for those outside the church to get in the church, right? He prayed for those who didn't believe the gospel to be converted and believe the gospel and be baptized into the church. As we close this morning, just think about the prayer life of the Apostle Paul. It's just amazing to think about. 
You know, I can just imagine the Apostle Paul and so many of these people being so zealous. All right, let's go out and preach publicly. You know, we got to preach out in the synagogues, you know, 24-7. And they asked Paul, what are we doing today? What are we doing today? Well, today I'm just going to stay in my tent and pray. What? What are you talking about praying? We got to get out and preach the gospel. <laughs> you know, I can just imagine Paul just taking whole days and doing nothing but praying. I've been enjoying the series, The Chosen, that describes the life of Jesus. And it's not perfect. No man-made story about Jesus would be perfect. But you can download The Chosen app and you can live stream it to your uh, smart TV if you have that. But something I really noticed in their depiction of Jesus is everyone else that's converted to him, especially the disciples of John that were converted from John to Jesus. They were all about, let's go, 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 go. And they asked Jesus every now and then, what are we doing today? What are we doing today? Well, I'm just going to stay in my tent and pray. <laughs> I've got to spend some time in prayer. And they're like, what? What are we talking about? Why are you going so slow? We got to go, 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 go. And Jesus said, no, I need to pray. I need to pray. And that's how I can envision the Apostle Paul being. We need to preach the gospel publicly. But you know what? We don't preach the gospel publicly unless we have bathed that preaching in prayer. Okay? The Apostle Paul always and without ceasing was praying for the church, praying for the kingdom, praying for the ministry, and praying for those to be converted to the gospel. And we certainly need to follow Paul and Epaphras' example to labor fervently for the church, labor fervently for each other in the church and in the kingdom of God. We hope to bring a second message on laboring fervently in prayer for you during my next time on the program. Until that time, we pray the Lord will richly bless you and especially to be more diligent, zealous, and fervent in our prayers to Almighty God. May God bless you. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast, entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the matchless